Hi, today is September 29th. This is Professor Levy. This is our third podcast for Module 1. This is the podcast that essentially covers current events with a historic lens. This has been a, a, a the first week is, 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 a, is a busy week. Um, you've started the fall quarter. Uh, Taylor Swift is, is dating uh, some football player, but that, that's, that's generated a lot of news. Um, uh, New York City is flooded. Um, but you might have also caught the news that a Saudi tourism minister met with an Israeli government official. And that there have been other signals that people from the Saudi government and people from the Israeli government, not, not highest level people, have been meeting. Now, why is that relevant? Well, because until recently, Israel and Saudi Arabia did not have formal diplomatic ties. In fact, they don't currently have extremely formal diplomatic ties. Um, in 1945, a few years before the establishment of the, uh, the state of Israel, but it was being discussed, the Saudi king Abdulaziz was violently opposed to the establishment of, of what he considered to be a Zionist state. And, and he considered himself the leader of the Arabs and Muslims. And so he felt compelled to speak out against what he saw as Jewish aggression in Palestine. But that same year, he also met with the American president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, on the USS Quincy, uh, an American cruiser in, in the Suez Canal. And the two, the two men could not have been more different. Um, FDR, as Franklin Delano Roosevelt is often referred to, was in his fourth term as US president. He had led the country through a deep depression, a world war. And he was on his way back on that boat from Yalta in, um, in the Mediterranean, where he had negotiated the terms of the end of the war and with Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill. He was gravely ill, and in fact, he'd be dead uh, in a few weeks. But he was convinced that Saudi Arabia would be crucial to America in the post-war because of its oil reserve. And he turned out he was right. Ibn Saud, as the Saudi king is known, um, he'd never been on a boat before. He'd never been to sea. He'd never left the Arabian Peninsula. He had created the modern Arabian kingdom through battles, and he, he was a soldier. He had no experience in diplomacy, and even less in international diplomacy, whereas FDR had been on the, on the, on the global stage for the last four years. His was an absolute monarchy backed by pretty intense Wahhabi Sunni clergy. But he was also aware that Saudi Arabia did not live in a vacuum. And so he'd sent his two sons to the U.S. in 1943 from where they reported that America was indeed the strongest and most developed country in the world. And so he considered it important to speak with FDR. Now, the ostensible purpose of the meeting was the future of Palestine, where FDR argued for a Jewish state. And Ibn Saud suggested that instead they should create a Jewish state in Bavaria, Germany. Now, I can only assume that um, that he, he knew very well that it would be offensive to a survivor of the Holocaust to suggest establishing their homeland in Germany. But perhaps it's an indication of how strongly he felt about the existence of a Jewish state in Palestine. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter because that conversation did not really impact the outcome. A Jewish state in Palestine was would happen a few years later and 80 years of turmoil followed. But the meeting established a mutual relationship that has lasted really for a very long time. 
Since then, the U.S. has guaranteed the security of the Saudi Peninsula in exchange for access to affordable energy supplies. Now, we'll get to why the Saudi Peninsula would need U.S. protection in a second. But I just want to mention, it's not a relationship that's always been smooth, and it often really flies in the face of the democratic values that the United States espouses, and that the Saudis, you know, don't necessarily um, support or believe in. In fact, there are repeated calls from within the U.S. to cease relationships with a state that murders journalists, um, that has been leading a sectarian war in Yemen, um, that that has caused a humanitarian crisis to this day, and that doesn't necessarily understand human rights in the same way we do. But things are not that simple. Now, Israel also has a close relationship with the U.S., and like Saudi Arabia, it considers Iran its greatest enemy and threat. So this is where there's a connection. The Saudis and the Iranians have been competing for religious and political control over the region for a very long time. Iran sees itself as the leading Shia Muslim power, while Saudi Arabia is the leading Sunni Muslim power. And the origin of this conflict dates back to the death of the Prophet Muhammad in the year 632. So it's been going on for a while. The Sunnis believe that Abu Bakr should be the successor of Muhammad, and the Shia believed it should have been Ali. And that disagreement has led to sectarian violence between the two groups to this day. And that is why Saudi Arabia has always essentially traded oil for military protection and support from the U.S. But back to Israel. So whereas the Saudi relationship with the U.S. meant that they couldn't really wage a war against Israel, um, it doesn't mean that they had to explicitly recognize them. Um, Iran does not have that guardrail, right? It Actually, in the middle of the 20th century, Iran was a secular country, and it recognized Israel. It recognized it as a sovereign state in the late 1940s, and it even had diplomatic relationship with Israel because, you know, the, the, the Iranians were a secular state, so there would be no reason to essentially reject Israel on that basis. But all that ended in 1979 when, when there was an Islamic revolution in Iran, which is what the graphic novel Persepolis covers. So if you're interested in that moment, it's really a great way to sort of explore that. As a consequence of that Islamic religious revolution in Iran, Iran cut all ties with Israel and generally became hostile to the U.S. And over the last 30 years, Israel and Iran and, and you know, not and in the U.S. to a certain degree have been, you know, quite hostile towards each other. The U.S. is, you know, also concerned about the possibility of, of Iran acquiring nuclear capability, which would significantly flip the balance of power in the Middle East. So that's kind of the historic context. Now, it's said that war is the failure of diplomacy. And I like to think that a successful diplomatic strategy delays and defers war until war is no longer necessary. So when in March 2023, a Chinese diplomatic mission brokered a successful relationship and sort of essentially restored diplomatic relations between the Saudis and the Iranians, a whole other set of new diplomatic relations became possible. Now, I just want to... Um, Temper this a little bit. Diplomatic relations doesn't mean that we're best friends, right? It just means we're talking to each other. It means that before I, I, I decide to bomb you, I'll give you a call and give you an opportunity to say something so that I don't push the button. So let's not confuse diplomatic relationships with BFFs. Now, Saudi Arabia and Israel's mutual alliance with the U.S. did not mean that they had open diplomatic relations either, right? Um, Saudi Arabia's position in the Arab world was pretty much, you know, required that that cooperation with Israel against mutual enemies happen clandestinely, on the down low. Even if 
Israel would have loved to go public um, and let everybody know that they were friends with the Saudis. Um, the Saudis could not afford that. They just would have been really, like they would have undermined their position in the Middle East. And so up until very recently, there was no overt acknowledgement of Israeli and Saudi normalization. Now, Iran are, is the common foe for the Saudis and the Israelis. Saudi Arabia's Gulf allies, and Bahrain and the United Arab, Arab Emirates, they recognize Israel in 2020. And they did that largely sort of as a proxy for Saudi, right? They got Saudi support against Iran, and they recognized Israel so Saudi Arabia wouldn't have to do it. And the Saudis allowed direct flights from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi and Dubai crossing over their territory, right? So these are gestures, right? Still no open diplomatic relations, but you, my neighbors, are allowed to do that. For Israel and the Arab Emirates, this has been an economic and political success, right? It's, it's been economically, it's created tourism in both directions, um, but politically, it means normalization of relations, right? And that's a lot better than war. And it's also meant that it hints at the possibility of complete normalization of relations with the Saudis, right? So it hints at the possibility that they're going to be official friends. This is going to be, what is, what, what do you, it's not Facebook official anymore. It's, is it Insta official? Anyway, I, I count on you to let me know what the current uh, parlance is. But all this happens because the United States continues to have a role in the in the Middle East. And I know that I said that we weren't going to talk about the United States primarily, but it's impossible to talk about the Middle East without invoking, without sort of essentially understanding the role that the United States has in the region. So here we are now in the present. And, um, and things may change. But the current government under Bibi Netanyahu, the current Israeli government under Bibi Netanyahu, is extremist. It is, has gone really far right to the point that there may be a judicial overhaul that would sideline the Supreme Court of, Court of Justice. Now, Israel is a, a, is a functional democracy in the Middle East. It, um, it, is, it recognizes human rights. It defends uh, women and LGBT rights, much more so than surrounding countries, but sidelining, reducing the role of the Supreme Court of Justice, that is not particularly democratic. That is a slide in the wrong direction. It is also continuing to allow Jewish settlements in the Palestinian West Bank. It has made living in the West Bank pretty untenable. And since uh, the previous American administration essentially hinted at Israeli extremists that a one-state solution would be possible, this current government has essentially articulated that it no longer supports the creation, the, the two-state solution, essentially the creation of a Palestinian state alongside a, uh, uh, an Israeli state, a Jewish state, um, and essentially will sort of pursue a one-state solution with the annexation of the West Bank. So, so, so that's, that, is the, that is the current moment in Israel right now, right? But this meeting between Saudis and Israelis, will, and if this meeting is going to go anywhere, if it's going to change anything, 
it's going to have to change that very specifically. So here's a three-way trade that is about to maybe, and I have to really put a lot of ifs here, it maybe might eventually happen. So one, in order for normalization of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, the United States is going to have to forge a, a, a really um, explicit and, and, and committed mutual defense back with Saudi Arabia, and it might maybe even have to agree to some kind of civil nuclear program for the kingdom. That's a huge deal. That's not an easy pill to swallow. Nuclear arsenal in the Middle East, we're not comfortable with that, but, but that may have to be something that we consider. The Saudi leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, someone I would not like to uh, be alone in a room with, um, and that's all I'll say about that, but by all means, look him up, is going to have to do something really, really difficult. And if he does that, I, I will still not want to be alone with him in a room, but, but I, 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 I'd support him. He will have to normalize relations between Saudi Arabia, the home of Islam's two holiest sites, Mecca and Medina, and the Jewish state. That may be an even tougher thing to do than... A, a mutual defense pact and, and a nuclear program for Saudi Arabia. But the third prong of that three-way trade is that Israel is going to have to verifiably curb Jewish settlements in the West Bank. It's going to have to improve living and travel conditions for Palestinians there. It's going to have to support and advance a Palestinian administration over the more populated areas in accordance with the Oslo agreements from 1993, right? This is, this is long, like they have not fulfilled that promise. And it's generally going to have to sort of stop talking about one state solution and preserve the option of a two state solution. The problem, of course, is that the far right uh, supremacists in Netanyahu's cabinet are actively advocating annexation and they've been explicit about a one state solution. So, Diplomacy, right? The art of war without firing a shot. If the big rapprochement is happening, if diplomatic relations in the Middle East are in fact being normalized, if we can imagine a world where diplomacy can keep these historical enemies talking and making side deals and traveling to each other's countries and going official... If Netanyahu can rein in the extremists, there's a lot of ifs, I know, then maybe you and I will witness a historic transformation this quarter that I, for one, never thought I would see in my time. In politics, as in diplomacy, maybe the Rolling Stones said it best, and I'm going to misquote them here. You may not always get what you want, but if you try really hard, you might get what you need. I need the preservation of democracy in Israel. I need democracy in the whole region. I need peace. I think we all do. And perhaps that makes me an idealist. But, but right now, at this particular juncture in time, this week, this, this week of, of this week zero, week one of the quarter, this week of Taylor Swift's new uh, uh, love life and, and all, all manner of things, this week um, we might we might actually have a chance as idealists and things might actually change. So check in with me next week. We'll continue.